Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. The one thing that is going to haunt and stick and create a, how shall we say, a mist and a fog that won't lift are the poles. What a Canadian story this is at this moment in time. We have all these factors coming together and we've got a, a realization that we don't have a place to live. There is not just a housing shortage. It's a crisis. It's a crisis everywhere you look. And we've got inflation. We've got so many things coming together. And we have polls that have done a turnaround for the liberals and a, a prime minister in a way that is a, a little bit of, um, how shall we say, dizzying. Eddie Shepard is with us on this Sunday, Vice President of Insights at Abacus Data. Eddie, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you. You know, I gave it a bit of a go there and put it out there, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, it really is quite incredible. I can hear the gas as Abacus and is releasing the polling, especially that 19-point lead uh, just uh, seven days ago. And it, it was dangled in front of us in another poll. But that's that's not just a fluke, Eddie. How big is this and how historically does this look? In terms of the 19-point lead, this is a, the largest gap between the Liberals and Conservatives since the Trudeau government took power in 2015. So it's a sizable margin right now, and it's been growing steadily since around May of this year. So if you look back to May, they're only about two points apart between Trudeau and Polyev. Um, and since May, there's been kind of a, a downward trajectory for the Liberals, and the Conservatives have been continually uh, gaining kind of that committed vote since then. All right, let's just talk about all the factors and then we'll get in to the details of what Canadians are thinking. But, you know, when you look at the polls, let's say you're the Liberal Party looking at the polls and looking for other factors. And we're looking for, I guess, things that could move and things that can't move or maybe more difficult to move or things that have never happened before. You know, the the amount of voters that are available to vote for for the parties that matters and that's really taken a turn for the liberals as well absolutely yeah i think what we're seeing now is people are just they want change um it's been a very hard year for a lot of canadians whether it's as you mentioned in the intro whether it's housing or inflation or the cost of living or whatever it may be Canadians are, are really having a hard time this year uh, with no immediate end in sight. So people now are just, they're, they're growing frustrated with the current government because they're, they're perceiving them as not really doing a whole lot. Uh, and they want change. And our, our poll last week showed that about two-thirds of Canadians want a change in government. And now of that two-thirds, not everyone thinks that there is a good alternative. Um, but when people want change, that's when they go to vote more so than not. Uh, so I think we're, we're really seeing a lot of shifts right now in the narrative and, and people are starting to feel very frustrated and they want to see a shift in government. 
Yeah, they are. And we're seeing those the frustration in the numbers, especially that the the group that is available. Now, what about, though, for the conservatives? It, they are looking at these polls and they must be desperately not wanting them to go away. Any kind of numbers, whether it's radio ratings or political ratings, you got to try to hang on to it. And it's becoming, not just as we said, it's not, not just a fluke. On the other hand, there was a hunk of people who answered some of your polling, I understand. And they said they they may go back to where they came from if if certain things look a, a little bit funny. What do the conservatives have to watch for right now? I think right now we've, we've really seen uh, Polyev kind of double down on housing. And I think that that is one area where it's, it's impacting almost every Canadian, whether directly or indirectly. And especially when you look in the next two years, 60% of Canadians are going to renew the mortgage. So I think if there isn't a shift in the housing availability and accessibility and affordability, that's going to have a really negative impact. So I think, you know, we saw the video last week that Polyev released um, right. that was essentially groundbreaking in, in terms of that kind of political campaign. And it's, it's had a massive impact. Um, and I think by doubling down, on arguably the most important issue for Canadians right now, they're really keeping that committed vote uh, in their backyard. They are. And it's in everyone's minds right now. And we were all waiting as a country. We thought, okay, you know, in Charlottetown at the caucus retreat, I was there and I, everyone was thinking, okay, well, when are they going to make all the flurry of announcement? The liberals are going to step out and they didn't. And the lesson seems to be from these numbers that we're getting here. If you let someone else define you or grab that definition, certainly politically, it doesn't work out. Yeah, and I think we, we saw with the fall economic statements even, you know, very few Canadians even knew that that was happening and even knew what was within that. So I think what that tells above all else is that there's there's communication challenges right now. Um, I think it's it's hard for some things to catch the, the airwaves and, and, you know, capture the minds of Canadians. But when you look at arguably one of the, the major federal announcements for an entire year, largely going unheard and unknown, that just shows that right now the Trudeau government is having a hard time capturing the the eyes of Canadians and, and getting those airwaves because they're they're really they're not necessarily um, in survival mode just yet but I think what we're seeing is they're trying to have this flurry of announcements and get eyes on them um, but I think the frustration level of Canadians is so high right now that it's really hard for them to overcome that in the first place it is, as somebody said to me, kind of uh, end of regime moves. And, I, you know, we, we're not suggesting all of that's a fact as we watch this story play out. But they're, they're having to move on things as we waited for those housing announcements. We've just had a flurry of them. And Sean Fraser getting a lot of attention as the housing minister trying to grapple with it. But the thing is, Eddie, I don't have to tell you, we're all learning just how long it would be to make something happen. This is not something you can turn around. It takes a long time. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I do believe that Son Fraser is doing a lot of really great things in the housing. He's trying to be very creative and, and work as hard as he can. Um, and I think he's he's made some really good strides. But I think the issue with housing in particular is that you know Canadians want immediacy in terms of solutions. They, they can't wait a year or two years because housing starts take time and infrastructure takes time. So I think the challenge that, that there is is when it comes to housing or inflation of the economy, you know, Canadians have had a really hard year and it's, it's, it's taken a toll on them emotionally and mentally and physically and financially. Uh, and now they want solutions. But the problem is that solutions being proposed right now aren't immediate solutions. So when you think of, you know, next month or two months from now, 
the struggles will still be there uh, despite things, you know, slowly falling into place. So I, I think that's, that's a struggle that the liberal government has right now is that the, the hurdles they need to overcome are, they're not insurmountable, but they're large enough that they will not be able to overcome them in a short period of time. So they need to convince Canadians that they are doing things in their best interest and ensure them that, that they are working towards a solution. It is. So when you talk about housing here, it, it is the key factor when you ask Canadians what's on their mind. And not everyone is is insecure when it comes to housing. But does did the polls show that even those who may own a house are still concerned about the overall situation? Yeah, we've looked at the housing extensively over the last few months. Um, and it, it's really, you know, those who don't own a home currently, they a lot of young Canadians are, are starting to give up on the Canadian dream. They're starting to realize that maybe I can't buy a house in the near future or at all. And those who do own homes, you know, there's there's a lot of uncertainty coming in the next year or two. With, as I said earlier, 60% of Canadians renewing their mortgage in the next few years, those individuals are likely going to see an increase in their interest rate because they likely signed on kind of during the COVID years for their interest. So there will likely be a huge shift um, in kind of the, the security of a home in the next few years because it wasn't that long ago that you you buy a home for financial security for an investment, um, and right now that's that's really in jeopardy because of the the overall cost of living, the cost of housing, and and all that goes around that. So we're seeing that you know Canadians aren't as confident in their home ownership. And a study that I, I ran last week saw that over forty percent of Canadians are above the CMHC threshold of uh, the thirty nine percent household income to mortgage. So there's a, a substantial proportion of Canadians that are really heavily leveraged in terms of their housing costs. And they, they if the interest rates go up or anything shifts, we may see a, a fairly large transition in housing soon. You talked about the percentage of Canadians who are waiting to see what's going to happen when they renegotiate their mortgage. We know the Bank of Canada held held steady this week, and there was all sorts of indications they may do that as long as they can. But if they don't, Eddie, that is a historic historically large amount of people who could be flailing around. You know, we've covered the possibility of this for some time. It was always kind of poo-pooed. No, it can't happen. Too big to fail. Um, and the rates will never go that high. But all the word this week was they may never go back down to the level that people expected. Eddie, how vulnerable are, are people when you look at those numbers you've presented? Uh, very, to put it very blunt. Um, I, I <laughs> think you. what we're seeing is those those who are renewing the next couple of years, um, you know, they're, they're the ones that arguably went in at historically low rates. So they were in the, the below 2%, you know, fixed wow, rate yeah. mortgages and, and things like that. So we do see a difference. Um, people that have variable mortgages right now that are going to renew, they're a little more on edge than those who have a fixed rate mortgage. And I think part of that was those with a fixed rate, they have a little more of an ability to plan ahead. So they know that, that their things likely won't change. So they can potentially put some money aside and then try and save and build up for when those interest rates do shift. Um, those on the, the variable side have been a little more impacted just because of the kind of the wild fluctuations with rates that have been going on the last three to four years. But I think we're starting to see that people are, are considering alternative options um, because they need to start thinking of what might happen if they renew their mortgage and the rates are substantially higher than what they were uh, at the current point in time. So whether it be taking on a second job, um, looking at taking out some equity from their homes, uh, and potentially even having to sell their home. 
Um, it's not a large proportion just yet, but I believe it's around 10% of Canadians that, that are going to renew are worried that they may end up losing their home. Um, and that number, in my you know, estimation, will likely increase as people become closer to having to, to renew. It's happened before. It happened in the 90s. I knew people who it happened to, and they had jobs, kind of like the situation here, too. These are not people, this is not just an unemployment story, is it, Eddie? This is an interest rate story. It's it's everything kind of building up. So we, you know, when you think about it all, housing is arguably the center of everything that's happening today. Um, yeah. the, the impact of the economy, that's largely tied to housing. When you look at people's perceptions of immigration now as well, you know, we're starting to become, yeah. we're starting to see more negative views of the number of, of proposed new immigrants in turn Canada next year. Um, and a lot of this tied to the availability and scarcity of housing. When you look at quality of life, people are, aren't able to do a lot of the things they once could because they're putting so much of their their monthly income towards housing. So really, housing is kind of impacting all assets of our, or all facets sorry, of our lives right now. Um, and, and people are really, really struggling. It's not just an employment aspect because you know, employment levels have, have remained relatively stable for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the, that everything is built up to this point now where it's, it's just expensive to live in Canada right now. And it is not just the big cities. It's the small cities, too. They're just reporting that, you know, they're having a, a lifestyle they're not used to. They used to be able to sell their homes, even people who are older and sometimes rent an apartment where they are. And now even that's going up. So, as you say, this isn't just one or two main cities. We used to focus on Vancouver and then Toronto. And and even before it hit here in Canada, I remember we used to marvel at what was happening in New York and thought, oh, my God, how can they all share a one-bedroom apartment? And now we've got somebody on advertising, I think, in the city of Toronto to share a bed in a one-bedroom apartment here. It's a crisis. Absolutely. And it, it's, you know, across the country, obviously, different markets have have different uh, average housing uh, prices, but, you know, it, it's all subjective in terms of where you live as well. So um, depending on whether you're Atlantic Canada or, you know, as you said, Vancouver, Toronto, um, I'm in London. So depending on where you are, the cost of living, you know, and, and the wages and things like that vary. So during COVID, people found the ability to move away from the major areas and, and you know, buy a large property and buy assets outside of the major centers. Um, but now, again, we're seeing the, the back to work is causing an impact there because people are not having to commute farther. Um, housing prices, because of that push out of the major areas, have gone up in the smaller rural areas. You know, elderly individuals who are looking to downsize simply can't find available alternatives. Now they're being forced to fall on the properties that are too large for them to, to manage safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because they, they, they have nowhere to go and they can yeah. downsize. No, they can't. Everybody's kind of stuck here. Can a major announcement do you see from this federal government, Eddie, change this story finally? I don't see a single announcement having um, the impact on this story. And, and the challenge there is the fact that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. So what may work for me may not work for someone else and may not work for someone across the country. And it, it varies substantially. So I think the challenge is that there's no one solution that the government can make an announcement for that will impact enough people to really help turn this around. I think it's going to be a series of announcements and a series of actions that will need to take place um, at all levels across the country to really help um, give Canadians that confidence that that this Liberal government 
is moving things in the right direction. As we said earlier, Sean Frazier is, is doing a lot of really fantastic things. Mm-hmm. But is it a matter of too little too late or is it a matter of having such an uphill battle that it's going to take some monumental announcements and actions to really help overcome the perceptions right now if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites and if you like what you hear leave us a review and tell a friend i'm roy green have a great weekend 